our 10 minutes on today is on Scottish independence from the Joint Public Issues team. I'm Rue, working for the United Reformed Church and a member of JPIT. For full disclosure, I'm a native of Northern Ireland, currently living in London. And joining me today is... David, uh, for the Church of Scotland, uh, I work with JPIT, um, especially on sharing ideas around politics and parliament. On uh, Wednesday the 23rd of November, we heard in the news that the highest court in the United Kingdom, the Supreme Court, ruled that an independence referendum couldn't be held in Scotland without UK government consent. And the UK government has already indicated it won't consent to a referendum anytime soon. So, David, why has the Scottish government been seeking another independence referendum so soon after the 2014 poll, which was billed as a once-in-a-generation referendum? That is a good question. And if you support Scottish independence, there's this tiny little thing that you might have heard about which happened, um, which had changed their opinion, which is called Brexit. Oh, I have heard of that, yes. Good. So Scotland, you might remember, voted overwhelmingly for Remain, and the pro-Indie campaign uh, said that being pulled out of the EU against its will means that Scotland should be given the chance to express which union it wants to be part of more, the EU or the UK. Even before a referendum, surveys suggest that there's pretty much a fairly 50-50 even split an opinion in Scotland. Now, as much as we can trust those surveys, and sometimes surveys are wildly inaccurate, but what dangers are there in seeking to impose constitutional change when there could be the very slimmest of margins in the, the result of a poll? Yeah, um, and I think this is something that anyone working in public life and politics needs to be really aware of. Uh, in this country, we make political decisions by simple majority. Um, and we traditionally make major constitutional reforms via public referendum. I think the danger is, does this reflect popular opinion? Um, and, and particularly if turnout is low, that does that raise a real question about legitimacy? Now, I think if you look at the 1997 devolution referendum in Wales, people voted by a very slim margin. 50.3% in favour. That was less than 7,000 votes. And all of this was on a turnout of only 50.22%. So the creation of Welsh devolution in 97 was only supported by about one quarter of voters. Three quarters of Welsh voters didn't vote or voted against. So, and that created real issues of legitimacy for the early days of what was then the Welsh Assembly. But now I think it'd be very unusual to, to support the idea of abolishing the Welsh Parliament. It's not very widely supported politically, although there are some people who do that. Uh, so it, it does, but it does show up when you then have these decisions that are such small margins, people questioning it and saying, is it is it useful? Is it value for money? And I guess if you're involved in any of these big constitutional um, decisions and referendums where 50% plus one vote could swing it, well, what about all the people on the, the, the losing side, if you like? Maybe there's hope there for, for something, if there was to be a constitutional change in Scotland, that it doesn't require 99% of people to have made that shift mentally 
at the moment of the referendum. Yeah, something that, that uh, we in the Church of Scotland did after the 2014 referendum, uh, the Sunday after we, we held our national service of recommitment at St. Giles Cathedral, the High Kirk in Edinburgh. Um, and we had um, representatives from both the yes and no campaigns and all the political parties in Scotland come to that. Um, different politicians read uh, from scripture. There was a, a a joint candle lighting where the five representatives from different parties, each with a taper, lit one single candle. Uh, And it was basically saying, despite differences of opinion, we are here to work for the people of Scotland and the common good and the church as a place to convene and support and create that space where our people can come together and and put their differences of opinion aside to focus on the the really important stuff. Uh, I want to ask you, what role can Christians and churches have in developing a politics that is characterised by listening, kindness and truthfulness? Um, So you'll know that uh, the Church of Scotland is Presbyterian. Um, So that means we value good order. And uh, the challenge with us in Scotland at the moment is that this unresolved political and constitutional issue uh, means that actually the the day-to-day good governance of Scotland... Uh, is made harder because every political debate is then seen through the lens of uh, independence or union. Uh, Talking about issues around health or poverty or education, everything comes back to blaming one side or the other for their constitutional position. Um, And I suppose churches have got a role to play to be impartial on the question, should Scotland be an independent country, but keep on reminding all the politicians and both governments of their duties to work together and best serve uh, the needs of the people. Um, And where there is a big issue like this, um, instead of trading sound bites and angry tweets, um, how can we seriously engage in dialogue? Um, I think the church can help with this through prayer, through speaking to elected representatives uh, and continuing when we do share our ideas and experiences that they are constructive and they are based on our experience of serving communities at a local level and that we've got hundreds if not thousands of years of wisdom of tradition and knowledge and understanding uh, and support for the common good and actually the history of the church and knowing that we belong to something bigger than nation states and political parties and independence movements. Uh, That that context, I think, reminds us uh, of our place in in serving God and serving the wider world. Do you think that there is still um, a strong place within uh, Scottish identity for the church and for churches and for people of faith and groups of faith, uh, even in 2022? Um, I think it's. I think. I think there is. I think it's changed. Uh, it's changed an awful lot. Um, uh, uh, we know that church going, church membership uh, is is in decline, particularly uh, in in our denominations. The, the the if you like, if you don't like using the name, but the kind of mainline Protestant denominations is is uh, facing really big challenges. Um, there are places where where churches are growing, and uh, I think some of the work that that we need to do is is think about how. Um, we learn from and, and cultivate that both within our own context, but also in other countries around the world. Um, Scotland's also becoming more multicultural, more, more diverse and more multi-religious. So, um, uh, and this is part, partly due to, uh, to, to migration and, and in migration. Um, and 
I think the role of churches in in playing a part, both both as um, I guess inhabiting that, if you like, indigenous cultural space where some people are still quite familiar with with the role of churches and the language that we use, um, uh, offering a, uh, with 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 new religious groups and faith groups offering to be sort of the host, the the, the place that we can we can bring and share and encourage uh, involvement in public life, um, but also. In a in a society which is now increasingly less religious, where literacy about faith, um, maybe among public bodies, civil servants, the the media, uh, is much less than it might have been twenty years ago. Um, there's a role about how can we all encourage better understanding, better knowledge uh, of how faith works, uh, because there is still a huge number of people in Scotland and around the world where faith, religion, spirituality and belief are hugely motivating factors in decisions about their lives, their connections with family, friends, communities and other countries around the world. So it's it's changing and I think it's changing rapidly um, and trying to understand this and spot the the best um, ways to to contribute is is a a part and parcel of of the work that that we do, uh, both in JPIP and then in our individual denominations as well, I think. What models of dialogue should be employed to avoid increasing polarization and entrenched positions. Uh, and my kind of thought is um, uh, back to that B word again, the, the Brexit referendum results and implementation. It, was that a good example of what could possibly happen if there was a change in um, Scottish constitution? So I think how to avoid difficulties in referendums is be really clear and inform your voting public and do lots of engagement and make sure people are fired up and know what it is they're voting on. Will churches in Scotland be hosting dialogue, debates, that kind of thing? I'm sure if there was going to be another referendum, yes, there there would be. I mean, uh, uh, lots of churches already hold the hustings meetings for for election campaigns for candidates to come and quiz. Um, uh, And we did an awful lot in the run-up to the 2014 referendum. If uh, there was going to be another indie ref, um, I'm sure churches would want to play that role of um, we have the space, we are um, uh, trusted to be neutral or impartial um, to bring people together. Uh, there's something about when when politicians come into a church space, um, they might make sure that their language is more respectful and they and and maybe members of the uh, of the audience. Uh, at these events are also mindful that if they're in a sacred space, they, they mind their P's and Q's more than they might do if they were on the street or online. So I think the churches might have a really important place for that space where exploring these ideas together in a good way um, could really happen. Thank you, David. Yeah, that's really great to hear from you. I mean, we've only scratched the surface, but what we've done is explored a little bit of how the church and churches in Scotland can be really involved in creating that politics that we yearn for which is characterized by listening kindness and truthfulness so thank you so much thank you rue happy st andrew's day and for anyone who is listening and you want to know how to find out more please go to our website which is jpit.uk that's jpit.uk and if you've enjoyed this podcast please do share it all right take care bye-bye